Welcome to Passy Muir's CAM podcast, Conversations on Aerodigestive Management. This episode of CAM features your host, Dr. Kristen King, and guest, Steve Cooper, a person with a laryngectomy, having a conversation on living with a laryngectomy. This is the second part in a series on laryngectomy from the patient's perspective. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Conversations on Area Digestive Management, the CAM podcast. Thank you for joining us again. I'm here today with Steve Cooper. He is continuing to chat with me about his life as a person with a laryngectomy. And I'm very excited to continue our conversation from the last episode. Today, we're going to focus a little bit more on Steve's personal experience and what he's actually gone through as he's adjusted to having a laryngectomy. So Steve, welcome again. Thank you for continuing to chat with me. And I thought we could start out by having you share a little bit about what it meant to lose your voice and to get your voice back. Prior to my surgery, 2019, when I received my diagnosis and what the that I would be losing my larynx, losing my ability to speak naturally. I was devastated. I own um, a food business. I've done that all of my life, actually, since high school. You know, I said food broker. Let me, I buy and sell grocery products. I buy from the manufacturers and I sell to the stores. Negotiation is what I do every day. Not having a voice to be able to do it with, even using an electrolarynx, which the, I was embarrassed. I wouldn't talk to my customers. I wouldn't talk to my suppliers before I had my voice prosthesis. They couldn't understand me. Steve, I'm learning so much from what you're sharing about your experience but do you mind sharing a little about the emotional impact of losing your voice? Was devastating. I'm gregarious, outgoing, and not being able to communicate was some of the darkest days of my life. And I thought I was finished. I would never work again. Um, Financially, I thought I would be ruined, lose the house lose everything. Um, and it's been, it's, there are situations where laryngectomies have done just that. Now I'm going to get emotional. Yeah. Um, Losing the ability to communicate verbally is emotionally is devastating. Um, there's um, the suicide rate among laryngectomy patients is five times that, five times the general public. Um, it's directly tied into the ability to regain speech. It's devastating. In my case, Well, prior to surgery, I had my consultation with my surgeon and, you know, he went over a lot of things and met a radiologist and 
they really can't prepare you for what's ahead, but they went over some general things. And I'll never forget the surgeon said to me, he said, Steve, do you have a psychiatrist or psychologist? I said, no, why? He looked me in the eye, he said, you're gonna need one. And I didn't understand, I'm thinking, you're removing my larynx. Why do I need a psychiatrist? What, what has that got to do with it? I know you're going to share more about the impact, but could you fill the listeners in on your initial surgery and hospital experience and what happened while you were in the hospital? Well, I had the surgery, very successful. By the way, the surgery, the surgery in my case was... Um, the surgery in my case was a seven hour procedure. I was in intensive care for three days. I was in the hospital for a total of 11 days and I had zero complications. A new patient needs suctioning every couple hours. First of all, when you're in the hospital, you push the button to call the nurse. What does the nurse's station do? Ask you what you Hello, need. what do you need? Push the button again. I can't talk. Hello, what do you need? So at this point, I'm throwing stuff out the door to get their attention. So they come in, I write down, I need suctioning. So they're afraid to do it because they're afraid of laryngectomy patients. So they call respiratory therapy. My wife were at the nurse's station when I called for suctioning, she happened to be coming to visit. And she hears her on the phone with respiratory therapy. You got to get somebody up here right away. He needs suctioning, and I don't know what to do. And frankly, I'm not touching him. Respiratory therapy, young woman walks to the door. She sees my stitches my from ear to ear. She sees my stoma. She sees my shyly trach tube. And her eyes get big as saucers, and she starts to back out of the room. She freaks out. She's there to suction me. She's from respiratory therapy, and she's there to suction me. So I wave, it's okay, it's okay. And I write on the whiteboard, have you ever done this? She said, no. So I already knew what to do at this point. I said, okay, I'll show you. Put a, you apply a couple drops of saline into my stoma. You know, the pink bullets, I show it to her. Um, then you take the um, suction tube, you insert it no more than five inches, put your thumb on the I don't know what you call it on the button of the suction tube. Draw it back. I'll probably call my brains out. Then you'll, you'll, you'll be suctioning all the mucus out. And do it two or three times, and I'll tell you when I can breathe clearly. She says, okay, I got this. So she puts her gloves on, hooks up the suction catheter. She's got the saline solution in her other hand. She walks over to me and she says, okay, open your mouth. The easy thing to do is walk away from it. Say, I don't know this. I can't deal with this. Sorry, I can't help you. The challenge is embracing that patient and admitting you don't know what you don't know, seeking help and making it your challenge, your mission. Currently, patients are kept a minimum of seven days. This is a drastic surgery.
Steve, let's talk a little about the voice prosthesis option and when you received yours. I know your experience was a little different than what some people may experience. Historically, I guess you could say with persons with laryngectomy, some get the prosthesis at the time of the initial surgery and some receive it at a later point in time. Do you mind sharing a little about what you went through when you received your voice prosthesis and just what that whole process was like? So in my case, and I was lucky, I didn't have any complications. I hadn't received, I did not receive a voice prosthesis at the time of surgery, which I was a candidate for, I should have, but my facility did not do uh, what they call primary punctures, which is a voice prosthesis placed at the time of surgery. In my case, it was seven months until they did a secondary, until they did a puncture. In my case, it was seven months until they did my voice prosthesis. Doing it after surgery is called a secondary placement. I actually had to switch hospitals to get it done. I actually had to switch hospitals because they delayed and they kept putting off the voice prosthesis. I interviewed with another surgeon, thought I was a perfect candidate for a voice prosthesis. In hindsight, I was a perfect candidate for a primary placement because I did not have radiation before. I did not have esophageal reconstruction. A doctor at GW University, I went and uh, met with him. He got my uh, CT scan results, surgical notes, he scoped me, and then he says, Steve, so why didn't they want to do a voice prosthesis? I knew right then and there I was a candidate. In my case, I was fortunate and my surgery did not have any complications. Do you mind touching on your experience with the electrolarynx? How did that go for you? Um, I struggled with using electrolarynx. I could not find that sweet spot. Man, I couldn't talk to people on the phone. I couldn't talk to my loved ones. Couldn't talk to my family. Couldn't talk to my friends. Steve, I'm really sorry to hear about the difficulties you had using an electrolarynx. And really, it means that you did not have access to communication verbally with, as you shared, your family or friends or anyone else. Can you talk a little bit about the impact that that had on your everyday life and your emotional well-being? It was devastating. And after about three months, I had, well, basically would be described as a breakdown. In addition to this hole in my neck, which is permanent. I will have it for the rest of my life. And in some ways I feel disfigured. I could not communicate. Uh, one evening I was so upset, I just fell apart. I was on the floor in a ball crying. I just lost it. And I said to myself, okay, you need help. So I, um, reached out online to a few 
psychologist in the area to uh, would accept my insurance. Made an appointment with one. And within about two weeks, I was seeing a psychologist. And I'll never forget our first visit. I'm using a whiteboard. I can't even speak. And I'm explaining my problems. And I had written some things down before I went in to explain to her what I was going through, what I was feeling. And so after about 10 or 15 minutes, she says, Steve, here's what I see. She said, our voices are our personality. She said, Steve, here's what I see. And I'll never forget her words. She said, our voices are our personality. It's who we are. It's how we communicate. She said, you have lost your voice. You have lost your ability to communicate. You have lost you. You are in mourning over the loss of you. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, she's a quack. This is nonsense. This is rubbish. I'm in mourning over the loss of me. What kind of nonsense is that? And then I thought about it. She was spot on. We, when we go through this, we lose our personalities. We, we lose who we are. And that is so overwhelming, so frustrating, so debilitating. The loss of you. Wow. Again, Steve, I'm finding your story so insightful and eye-opening. That's an interesting take that the psychiatrist provided you. I just, I haven't thought about it that way. And it's such a strong and devastating impact with so many emotional feelings as an SLP, you know, we can assist with communication and we can provide some counseling, but what would you recommend we consider? What are some things that you might suggest that we do as speech language pathologists for persons who've had a laryngectomy? As speech pathologists, it's essential that you do everything possible to help that patient. If you don't know what to do, seek help. There's plenty you can get mentoring from other speech pathologists. There's laryngectomy groups. There's help out there. There are new best friends. And it's true. I'm relying on my speech pathologist for my voice. I love my, I'm an amazing, I'm blessed and I have an amazing speech pathologist at George Washington University Hospital in Washington, D.C. Her name is Jennifer Schadler. She's had many years experience with laryngectomies. And I have just never met a kinder person in my life. As speech pathologists, I say, you know, you work with children, you work with, uh, you know, Parkinson's patients, you work with so many different, with stuttering patients, but what could be a more rewarding thing than to help someone who has no vocal cords regain the ability to speak? There, there's nothing more challenging than that. And I, I need to be careful because there are many laryngectomy patients that are not candidates for voice prosthesis. 
they cannot use an electrolarynx, maybe a laryngectomy, glossectomy, um, and they'll never have the ability to speak. And so I always have to be sensitive that even though I have a, I'm lucky to have a good T voice, there are those that cannot communicate. And there are options for them, but we need to be sensitive to that population. As you shared, our voices are us. What you've shared really provides a perspective, the patient's perspective, that is key to the care that we as speech language pathologists can provide. No matter the communication option, having communication is essential. The way to do it is to help patients communicate to the best of their ability and explore all available options. Yes. I'm happy to make my contact information available so that if any of your listeners want to contact me directly, I'm happy to make my contact information available so that if any of your listeners want to contact me directly, more information, how to get involved, I can help them with educational materials. I can connect them with other laryngectomies or speech pathologists in their area. I would, I would be honored to help out. I'm always a strong advocate for the laryngectomy community because as I like to say, we're a very small population and we just don't have a voice. Well, I think you're becoming the voice of the population. I really do thank you. This is just, I could sit here, as I said, and talk to you all day. I really could. You have, you are such a wealth of information and such an inspiration to hear and talk with you and hear your perspective on it and the quality of your voice. I mean, just everything about it. It's just amazing to, to listen to you. It really is. Well, my voice, as people say, I'm more sensitive to my voice than you are. Although you're a trained speech pathologist, when I hear it, I'm like, oh God, this sounds terrible. And they're like, no, it's fine. Yeah. Your voice is amazing. I'm just sitting here listening to you and I'm just in awe of how clear and good your voice is. It just. Have you ever met a person with no vocal cords that just won't shut up? <laughs> you are, you are definitely your talker. And it's kind of funny to say that when you don't have a larynx and you don't have vocal folks. Thank you, by the way, for reaching out to me. I am um, that you're including this in the podcast series is extremely heartfelt to me as a laryngectomy because the the education is it's, it's it's extremely important to me as a laryngectomy because there's just not enough education out there. So that, uh, you know, Pazzy Muir, through the conversations on our digestive management, has asked to um, include the story of a life of a laryngectomy. Is, is, I really, really appreciate that. Steve, I just can't thank you enough for the time you're spending with me as we chat about your experiences of having a laryngectomy and I know that the speech language pathologists and other professionals who listen to this podcast are just learning an immense amount of information from you uh, about 
both what you experienced and what life may be like for some people with a laryngectomy, but also about the role and what we might be able to provide or how we might be able to enhance care and improve the care that's provided. So I really appreciate your time. And I want to remind the listeners that we do have another episode coming up where I'm still chatting with Steve Cooper, and we're going to cover a little bit more information on kind of the role of the speech language pathologist and resources that are available, not just to SLPs, but to all professionals and even for patients and some resources that they may be able to use as they go through the same type of journey. So we will hear more in the next episode, but I want to kind of touch on one thing, Steve, you really opened up my eyes and, you know, in talking about the psychological impact that all of this had on you. And I know that there's been research, some research done in this area to look at the psychological impact on patients and There's a number of research studies done by Dr. Amy Freeman Sanderson and colleagues where they've been looking specifically at that psychological impact and what the impact is when patients lose their voice or don't have access to communication. And their research is focused primarily in the intensive care unit. But one thing your story shared, it's across all areas from the ICU to home. We have the potential negative effect or influence of having that loss of voice. And in her research, she found that patients who were in the intensive care unit experienced more anger, frustration, psychological negative impacts on their willingness to participate in therapies, their motivation to recover. They just found a whole host of negative impacts from not having a voice. And that research led to more kind of in looking at the quality of life that a patient with a tracheostomy may have because patients with tracheostomies can also, you know, have a loss of voice, not quite to the same extent as a patient with a laryngectomy, no matter if the loss of voice is temporary, like from a tracheostomy or permanent for a person who's had a laryngectomy, the emotional impact and the loss of self can have a devastating effect on recovery. And it's our role as speech language pathologists to be aware of not just what we can provide them to assist with communication, but what is the emotional support and what is the foundation that we can give them so that patients don't go through such devastating consequences or have such impacts on their recovery and their care. The research by Freeman Sanderson et al. really covers a broad spectrum of that loss of voice, the emotional impact, the psychological impact, and what's needed to assist with recovery. And as I mentioned, they look mostly in the intensive care unit, but it's really across all settings. I would direct you if you want to know more about that. In season one, episode nine, we actually had an episode called Communication psychological impact with Dr. Amy Freeman Sanderson. And she shares a lot about her research and what she found and what she recommends that we consider as speech language pathologists. And so you can get more information by listening to that episode. If you want a list of the references, because she's actually published quite a number of studies from 2015 through 2021, um, they are listed on the bibliography that can be found on the Passimir website at 
www.passymirror.com slash resources and go to the adult bibliography. Thank you again for listening and we'll look forward to our ongoing conversation with Steve next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of CAM. We are happy to offer continuing education credit through ASHA for this podcast. To receive credit, please go to www.passymure.com podcast and click on the continuing education link under this episode. Then you will either create an account or log into your existing education portal account. Complete the quiz and course evaluation for your podcast episode. Your certificate will be available for download once completed. 